and he worked with a multinational corporation, and um, it was overseas. He works overseas. So he told me of, you know, he was supposed to be heading the marketing and sales department of the organization. And the organization is Coca-Cola, all right? And he told me of the difficulty they started having. And he was an A-plus a employee who was, you know, hitting all the goals, hitting everything. But it became very difficult for him to start hitting the goals. And he looked like a failure. When they did the assessment, they found out that it was, you know, a production problem. So they were losing money on both ends. The revenue was dropping. And they were wasting products. So it was telling on him. And Coke had to do a total, complete reorganization of that particular overseas uh, facility or activity that my friend was. But fortunately, he was the only one that was left. They brought a new guy. And the problem they discovered, the problem there was that uh, they had brought all kinds of people, consultants, engineers, paid all kinds of money for them to, solve, to resolve the problem. But for some reason, it wasn't able to be resolved. Now, I want you to know that some of the people that were in the plant that were supposed to be you know, working on this product or working on the problem have been there for 30 years. This is, there are some people who had worked there for 30 years. Some of them have worked there for 20 years. Some of them for 15 years. All right? But they were not able to resolve the problem. So when they did the reorganization and they brought in a new manager director of that area, he said when the guy came, he just sat down with them, asked four questions. If you do this, what happens? If that happens, what happens? If this happens, what happens? Ask four questions. And after four questions, in less than two minutes, resolve the problem. After four questions, resolve the problem. And there are people who have been there for 30 years, 20 years, who have worked the system over and over and over again. But they found no solution to it. What is the import of what I'm saying this morning? The import of what I'm saying is, and if you don't get anything after 40 minutes, I'll take myself after 40 minutes. If you don't get anything, just get this. That what you know is irrelevant until it becomes wisdom. What you know is irrelevant until it becomes wisdom. No wonder the Bible tells us wisdom is the principal thing. Say, so therefore, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And folks, you know the good thing about wisdom? Especially when you're a Christian, the good news about wisdom is this. What 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us. That Christ has been made wisdom unto you. So you have wisdom. And that is why I have titled my topic, not as finding wisdom, discovering wisdom, but getting wiser. See, the problem is not that you don't have wisdom. The problem is that you are not growing in wisdom. You are not increasing in wisdom. 
let me let me try and go back a little bit. And so it's, it, it doesn't look like I'm condemning uh, uh, knowledge. All right? What you know. What you know is very important. Absolutely important. Because a lot of times, for you to be able to work on wisdom, for you to be able to manifest wisdom, you need knowledge. All right? So this is the process. To be able to arrive at wisdom, you start from knowledge. What you know. But you see, what you know is just information and awareness. You are just being aware of something. So being aware or having an information really does not, it helps you. It helps you crack the door, but it's really not anything until it converts to wisdom. So from knowledge, you go to understanding. And then from understanding, you go to wisdom. All right, let me read a scripture to you. Let me read. Let's go. Um, Proverbs, Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3, 19 to 20. I'm sorry. Proverbs 3, 19 to 20. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken, were broken up, and the clouds drawn up the dew. What does it mean? What does this mean to us? It means that the process is from knowledge, because knowledge, I mean, the process starts from knowledge, but wisdom is what actually forms things. In fact, the word wisdom there, the word wisdom in, um, in 1 Corinthians 30 is the word Sophia in Greek. And Sophia means knowledge and wisdom of every kind. Wisdom of every kind. Or the ability to be able to do things. The ability to make things work. The ability to make things happen. In other words, Christ has made unto us wisdom. Christ has given us the ability to make things work. To be able to get things done. And Sophia, the interesting thing about Sophia is not just spiritual alone. In other words, God wants us to impact every area of our lives with his wisdom. God wants you to impact every area of your life with wisdom. You know why? Because in the very first place, he created all things. He created everything. Sometimes, the problems that we have sometimes is that we have a demarcation between spiritual things and natural things. Not knowing that in and of themselves, sometimes, natural things are spiritual things themselves. Because what did the Bible tell us? 
He said that those things that have been created were created by the things that were not seen. In other words, everything that we see, everything that we're involved in, has an origin from what has not been seen. So sometimes, natural things are just natural to us because we have been used to them, we have become familiar to them. But in the real sense, they have their origin from God. They started from God. They emanated from God. And that's why Sophia in the Bible, that word, it talks about both spiritual and natural wisdom. Now, let me quickly clarify something. Note, I didn't say the wisdom of the world. There are two different things. There's a wisdom of the world and there's natural wisdom. Two different things. I did not say the wisdom of the world. Are we all clear about that? Huh? Okay, only two people heard me. Yeah, because I want to be sure that, you know, you know I said I'm not talking about the wisdom of the world. I'm talking about natural wisdom. In other words, what is natural wisdom? Natural wisdom is just everything that we have been involved in that seemingly does not have to do with our spiritual life. What are examples of those? Your job. God wants his wisdom to be manifested in your job. What's that also? What example also? Your finances. God wants his wisdom to affect your finances. What else is that? Your family. God wants his wisdom to affect your family. What else is, what, 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 else, what kind of example do we also have? Another example is your relationship. God wants his wisdom to be able to affect your relationship. God wants his wisdom to be present and affect everything that you do. He wants his wisdom. If you still don't believe me that God's wisdom rests on uh, what we call natural things, let me read something to you. Exodus. Let me make sure I find it. Let's look at Exodus. Exodus 31. Getting wiser. Exodus 31. Okay. Sorry, we are still old-fashioned. Still using the brick and mortar of books of the Bible. All right. Exodus 31. From verse 1 to 6. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hor, of the tribe of Judah. Now, you see, God did what? God? God did what? Okay, let's see what God called him to do. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. He called him, filled him with the Spirit of God. In what? And in understanding. And in knowledge. And in all manner of workmanship. To devise cunning works. The work of gold. And in silver. And in brass. 
and in cutting of stones to set them, and in carrying of timber to walk in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded them to do. Remember, this is, you know, this is not a priestly work they are doing. They are not winning souls here. But God said, I have anointed them with wisdom to be able to do what he wants to do. You know why? Because at the end of the day, they might not be winning souls directly. But whatever God has anointed them to do was for the advancement of his kingdom. What am I saying in essence? That when we come to accept and realize what we have on, the, on our inside, that the wisdom of God is present in our lives to help us to be able to navigate both spiritual and the natural terrain. Then we can be that billboard that begins to advertise that indeed our God is the God of the heavens and the God of the earth. And for some of us here today, God has anointed us with his wisdom to do certain things. The earlier you find out or you found out what God has called you to do, embrace his wisdom, the better is going to be for the advancement of his kingdom. Because at the end of the day, 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 everything we do, he said, let everything that we do be to the glory of God. At the end of the day, it's unto him that we live. Paul said, in him I live, in him I move, in him I have my being. There's no dichotomy. Getting wiser. Let me digress a little bit. And, you know, I just, I just mentioned something about knowledge and understanding and wisdom. I just want to digress a little bit and just explain what I mean by knowledge, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Like I said, knowledge is information. It's awareness. You acquire information. You, acquire, you have an awareness of things that are happening. But if your knowledge stays, if what you know stays at knowledge, then you just began the race. You didn't complete it. All right? So your knowledge has to move to understanding first. And what is understanding? Understanding is that point where you get to. And what you know. Listen now. What you know becomes meaningful to you. What you know becomes meaningful to you. It becomes something that when, when a situation arises, you can apply what you know. All right? If knowledge was the ultimate, 
then the richest people and the most successful people in the world should be those guys in the ivory towers. But knowledge is not the ultimate. So what do I mean? Let me give you an example. How many people know what is called a car here? Yeah, I, I'm, everybody knows what, is, what a car is, right? Huh? How many people know that, you know, you need, you need, thank you so much. How many people know that you need gas to run a car? How many people know that, how many people know that the car must have a wheel to be able to move? And you need a steering to be able to control it. You need to be able to open the door to get into it, right? All that is information. You know it. Everybody knows it. Right? Even a little baby knows what a car is. Can tell you what it is all about. Right? But how many people can actually resolve a problem when the car has one? How many people can resolve it when the car has a problem? Do you know it has a wheel? Yes. Do you know it has an engine? Yes. Do you know you can work with it? Yes. Do you know you can go to work with it? Yes. Can you drive it? Yes. You can move it. You can do whatever you want to do with it. Am I correct? But when it has a problem and there's a need for resolution, how many people know what to do? With all the knowledge that you know, you become confounded. I, I, I remember a story. Something happened to somebody that shall remain nameless here. All right? And the person was driving. And all of a sudden, I got a call. The car just stopped. And I'm like, cars are not designed to just stop. Something must have happened to the car before it stopped. So what happened? Nothing. I was just going. The car just stopped. And I started trying to, you know, diagnose and uh, what happened? You know, when you started the car, did it give you a sign? All kinds of things I was saying. And no, it just stopped. And I'm like, okay, did you check the gas? It didn't give me any lights. There was no distance. So I, I said, I am just thinking. I think I, I, have, I have the spirit of discernment. That when a car stops, when a car just stops, it must be the gas. No, I don't think it's the gas. I don't think it's, okay, no problem. I was going to that place, and because I have the spirit of discernment, I went to a gas station. I bought a can, I got gas there, and I took it there. And when I took it to the middle of the road, and all the conversations were going, I refused any distraction. I refused to listen. I just poured the gas in, went into the car, started it, or cranked it, and magically the car just started walking again. I was a magic. Something just happened again. It was magic. <laughs> I have the Midas touch. I had the Midas touch that day. 
as funny as it is, what I'm saying is this. It does not matter how knowledgeable you are. If your knowledge does not progress from information to where that knowledge makes meaning to you, you cannot accomplish anything. No matter how simple it is, no matter how easy it is, you will not accomplish that which you have set for. But you see, Christ has been made unto us wisdom. I'll keep repeating that to you. Now, if you don't get anything, just get two things. One, Christ has made unto you wisdom. You have that wisdom. And two, no matter how knowledgeable you are, it is not effectual until it progresses. So, understanding is when that knowledge that you have becomes meaningful to you. It becomes meaningful, it becomes usable, it becomes customized. Because knowledge in and of itself is generic. Alright? It is prescribed for everybody. Anybody can go there and just grab it. But when it moves, when knowledge moves from just what you know to what you understand, it has become customized. Because there are certain things inside you that are just that knowledge to fit you in particular. There are certain things like your experiences. There are certain things like your life. There are certain things that, like how God has dealt with you that makes the meaning of the same word that you read in scriptures and the same word that I read in scripture to have different understanding, for us to have different understanding. So, Pastor Charles may read, for God so loved the world and gave his only begotten son and understand it one way. And I read the same scripture and I understand it in a different way. Why? Because when it comes, when it moves from this level of knowledge to understanding, there are certain things that are inside me that customizes for God so loved the world to fit my, fit my situation and fit my circumstance. And there are certain things in Pastor Charles that designs for God so loved the world to fit him, fit his situation and fit his circumstance. And when you get understanding, wisdom is easy. You just apply what you understand. Because wisdom is the application or rightful or correct application of what you know. In other words, the bridge between what you know and how to apply it, which is wisdom, is that level of understanding. That's where the process is. That's where you have to move. That's the bridge that stops you from wisdom to understanding. Are we still together? Do, do, do we get the connection there? Wisdom is easy when you have understanding. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it said something. It said, it said wisdom lies in the heart of understanding. When you understand something, you know it like you know your name. You know it in your knower. What you know you cannot apply. It makes meaning to you. You can begin to work it out. So a lot of times, our problem is not because we're ignorant. We know a lot of things. But it's just because we don't understand. We have not crossed that bridge of understanding. And if you can understand or get a glimpse, the way I just pray that God helps me to communicate what I'm communicating, what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate, I pray that God just helps me for you to get a glimpse of what I'm saying. You will understand that a lot of the problems that we have, a lot of the issues that we have, are non-issues. Because why? The solutions are already there. 
God has given you the heart of wisdom. All you need to do is just embrace the wisdom. Accept the wisdom. Begin to walk in that wisdom. And every other thing falls in place. Listen to what God said about, the, the scriptures tells us about wisdom. Let's open to Ecclesiastes. I'll open to Ecclesiastes now. Ecclesiastes, I think, is chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I, I want to show you something from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Christ has been made unto us wisdom. He has been made unto us wisdom. The ability to be able to do everything, cutting across board. It does not matter whether it is spiritual. It does not matter whether it is the word of God. It does not matter whether it's your relationship. It does not matter what, uh, what you are involved in. God or Christ has made unto you wisdom. We have the wisdom of God. We have the wisdom of God. We have the wisdom of God. And James even went further to say, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask from God. In our case, if you're not walking in wisdom, or if you're not getting wiser, ask from God, who gives liberally and upbraided not. He gives liberally and upbraided not. God will give us access and insight into how to work with his wisdom. All right, let's, let's open to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Uh, let me look at, hold on one second. Figure it out. Ecclesiastes 9. Uh, I'll start from hold on one second. Let me see. I think I got it all mixed up. 9.15. Okay. Okay. I cannot find it, but this is what our scripture says that I wanted to read to you. It says, wisdom is better than strength. It's 16, right? Is it 16? 9.16, right? Okay. Huh? 16. 9.16. Okay. So, even with my glasses, I'm still getting blind. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. All right? That's all I just want to read there. We'll go, I'll go back to 15 and then we'll come back again. 18. Wisdom is better than weapons of warfare. All right? Wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than weapons of warfare. All right? Too many of us we, we, we believe in our strength so much. All right? We have to do it hard. We have to do it difficult. Like I used to say, if, it's, if the food is not heavy, it is not filling. If the medicine is not bitter, it has no medicinal value. Are we correct? Yes. I remember my grandmother in those days. I mean, there are all kinds of medications that you can just take, or you know, pills that you can just take and just throw it. No, she wants me to take the home remedies and these things. And, and where I grew up, we used the 
uh, uh, these bitter leaves, these amalina trees for all those malaria things. And that's what she, she believes that those things have more efficacy than whatever the doctor is going to tell you. And so she wants to force me to do it. Why? Because as far as she's concerned, strength is better than wisdom. It has to be hard for it to work. It has to be bitter for it to have any value. And is it not the same thing we have transported into our lives also? Am I correct? We have transported into our lives also. Talking about school to your children. The first thing you say, the, the, the school I went to. When we were going to school in those days, you know, we were, we were walking on our feet. What the, so what did that end up? What is the what, what is it? You walked, you walked with you, you, you walked on your you walked on your foot, you carried pontomoto or whatever to school instead of what is the issue? What is the problem? How has it helped you better than the person that's putting it back? You know, so some of these things we have transported them because we don't understand. What's that gonna to do to him? What is that gonna help him with? In our own days. Okay, that's your day. It's a new day now. You know that, that, that happened in scripture. That happened in scripture. You know what I'm saying? That happened in scripture. In the book of, that, I, I remember the story of a man called Naaman in scripture. And the Bible tells us that this man was a warrior. He had everything that he took to be successful. Even the king respected him. The king of Assyria respected the guy because of his ability. He had the power. He had the ability. He can do whatever he wanted to do. But I had a problem. That was a problem that needed to be solved. And one young slave girl, who was actually what? Weak. Came and spoke to him. I know the solution to your problem. All you need to do is just go to Israel. There's a solution there. If you get to Israel, something is going to happen. That was the wisdom he needed for that time. Something will happen. And like many of us who want solutions from everywhere, but we genuinely don't want a solution, except it's our way. Went to the king, got a letter, and went to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, too, because he was afraid, tore his dress. Am I God that makes and kill? This man wants trouble, and Elijah said, okay, solve the problem. I mean, just let's solve it. Come here. And he told the king. I mean, he told Naaman. He said, go get, just go to Jordan. Wash yourself. Dip yourself clean and come out. And the Bible tells us that this guy was furious. He was angry. He was mad. How can you give me this kind of solution for this kind of problem? Do you know why? Because he is familiar. His successes. His victories have been hard. It has to be what he fought for. 
He, it has to be what he has earned. Every victory he had, he was successful. There was no doubt about it. Everybody was afraid of him. Everybody. And he was successful. But you see how his experience begins to affect the way things worked with him. So like many of us, do you know who I am? Do you know who you are talking to? Do you know where I'm coming from? Do you know my qualification? Do you know what happened to me? Do you know how many things I've suffered? And you keep telling us everything that you have succeeded in doing, but you still have your problem. Still carrying your problems, carrying your issues all around. But there is a solution. And the solution is easy. Go wash yourself in Jordan. And listen to this girl again. This little girl, as little as she is, spoke wisdom to the man again. She said, my master, I'm sorry to come and bother you. But you see, if this man had told you to do something much more difficult... I will understand. If he told you to dance on your head, I will understand. I will say, okay, I can give you a pass. If he told you to run 10 miles a day, I will understand. But all he just said, go wash yourself. And thank God, Naaman took away everything that he had, all his experiences, all his knowledge and everything, and he went and washed. Shows you how wisdom trumps strength. Wisdom trumps the weapons of warfare. I remember the wisdom of God when they were going to conquer Jericho. They had all the ammunitions. They had everything. And God said, no, the wisdom to succeed in Jericho, uh, I'm sorry, is it Jericho now? Yeah, Jericho, the walls of Jericho. The wisdom to succeed in Jericho is not going to be your weapons. It's not going to be by your efforts. Christ has made unto us wisdom. To succeed is not going to be by that effort. It's not going to be by, by, by the weapons of warfare. To succeed and to conquer Jericho will just take you walking around that wall seven times and just giving God praise. What am I saying to you this afternoon or this morning? That I am not condemning the weapons of your warfare. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't have strength. That's not what I'm saying. But all I'm saying is this. If your weapons of warfare and your strength does not translate into God's wisdom, it becomes a problem rather than a solution. It becomes a hindrance to you. There are so many of us who are hindered by the advantages that we even have in life. They become hindrances to us. They become hindrances. They become hindrances. 
Let's look at Uh, I'll, I'll just read. You don't have to open it. There are so many places I want to read now and now. I'll read from Proverbs. Again, Proverbs 9. Listen to what it said about wisdom. I'll just read a couple of. Proverbs 9 from verse 1. Listen to what it said. Wisdom has built her house and has carved that it's seven columns. No, let me read another version in translation. Let me read the KJV. Wisdom has builded her house. She had hewn out her seven pillars. She had killed her beast. She had mingled her wine. She had also furnished her table. She had sent forth her maidens. She cried upon the highest places of the city. Whosoever is simple, let him turn hither. As for him that wanted understanding, she said to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine, which I have mingled. In other words, wisdom has built her house in the person of Jesus Christ. She has hewn her seven pillars. And all she's just doing now is inviting you to come and partake of her goodies. To come and partake of all that she has to offer. I wish I had time. We'll have talked about uh, uh, the seven pillars of wisdom, but you know, from scriptural perspective, but I'll, I'll skip that for now and just uh, jump up to the other ones I want to say because I need to start figuring how to wrap up the whole of this. All right. Proverbs 7. Proverbs 7. You don't need to open to it. I'll read to you. These are the results of wisdom. We've said that before. I said, wisdom is a principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. This is the word it said. Exalt her. She shall promote you. She shall bring you to honor when you embrace her. She shall give to your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to you. All right? Let's read Proverbs 7, then I'll quickly say something and then we'll try and wrap up. Proverbs uh, 3, I'm sorry, 3, 19 to 18. Those are the things that happens to you when you uh, uh, walk in this wisdom that I'm talking about. Wisdom that is not bound by the boundaries of our spirituality. Proverbs 3, verse 13 to 18. Look at what it said. Happy is the man that finds wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that you can desire are not to be compared to her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Let me just 
take one of it and just explain one, one word there, one of the benefits of wisdom there. He said, length of days is in her right hand. She will give you length of days. Am I correct? Now, don't mistake length of days with long life. They are two different things. Are you getting me? Did I, did I make any sense? Length of days and long life are two different things completely. When the Bible talks about length of days, it is talking about God making your day fruitful and productive. No wonder in the book of Ephesians, it says redeeming the time because the days are evil. And one of the things that will help you to redeem the time to be able to make the best of your days. In other words, you have 24 hours in a day. But at the end of 24 hours, because you have applied wisdom and worked in the wisdom of God, 24 hours begin to look like you have 36 hours. Because you can function and do things better, more effective, will be more productive within the context of time. That you have been given. When it says long life, it means your life will be prolonged. You will live 90 years. But length of days is making your days very, very productive. In other words, maybe some, maybe some of the reasons why we, you know, we waste our time and it looks like we don't have enough time. is because we have not applied the wisdom of God in every area of our lives. We have not embraced the wisdom of God to accept the wisdom of God and allow the wisdom of God to help us to do what we can do or do what we should be doing. At the end of all the matter, at the end of everything, when all has been said and done, I don't just want to leave you with all this information of what wisdom can do, how wisdom can work for you, or how you can you know, grow in the things of God, how you can uh, fulfill your destiny and all of that. I don't want to uh, uh, just burden you with all those labor and not just tell you something about at least one or two things on how it can work or the practicality of how it can work. All right? And I know that many of us here, especially me, there are a lot of areas I can grow wiser in my life. There are a lot of things I can get better with the wisdom of God in my life. In my life. And I know there are some people here also who, will, who can make do with a little, bit, a little bit of the wisdom of God in certain areas of our life. So I'm going to touch on uh, uh, two things before I take my seat. But let me just tell you some of the things. You see, we can be, when we talk of wiser, we can grow wiser in our words, we can grow wiser in our relationships. We can grow wiser in our finances. We can, go wise, we can grow wiser in our careers. We can grow wiser in spiritual things. We can grow wiser in our work of faith. We can grow wiser in our experiences. We can grow wiser in our skills. We can grow wiser in everything. All right? Whatever, your, whatever area you need God to just help you to grow wiser here, I just want you to just embrace it, accept it, and say, God, help me to be able to grow in you wiser in this particular area of my life. However, before I sit down, I just want to talk on, you know, uh, uh, how wisdom, wisdom and our words, and then wisdom 
and our relationships. Wisdom in our words. If you read scriptures very well, especially the book of Proverbs. I love Proverbs. I love it. I love Proverbs. If you read the book of Proverbs, you'll find out that one of the ways that you can know a person that is not wise or growing in wisdom is by what they say. How they say it. What they say. In other words, the first area of manifestation of wisdom is in our words. What are you saying with your words? And to be honest with you, for me, I don't know about you, but one of the areas I got affected in my life when I got born again, the first area he affected was my mouth. What I say. How I say it. So I grew up in an environment where I had been beaten down. Don't think I amounted to anything. And God had to help me change the words of my mouth. And as, and as it had began to affect my mouth, my heart or my mind began to be affected. And I began to make the adjustment and the U-turn to make sure that what I say the Bible says the tongue is a deadly evil. Listen to what he said again. He said, with it, we bless God. And with it, we curse people. Same tongue. Say, can pure water come out of a fountain? The same fountain. Can pure and bitter water, or sweet and bitter water come out of a fountain? I want you to know today that God wants to affect your mouth, what you say, how you say it, because it's going to develop. You see, your tongue is the driver of your life. You might have everything that God has made available for you. If your tongue does not align with the things that God has made available for you, it's going to drive you off course. And then there's going to be a dichotomy between your reality and your ideal. The ideal is where God wants you to be. But the reality is where you are. And your tongue is one of those things that God will affect to help you cross and move to where his ideal is. And finally, let's watch our relationship. The Bible says, I'll just close with this. The Bible says that evil communication corrupts good manners. Say, he that wants to be wise must walk with the wise. Because what? A company of fools shall be destroyed. Watch your relationships. It's one thing that will also put you on the path of wisdom and help you, help you to walk in that path of wisdom. Because why? Iron sharpened iron. Deep calls unto the deep. The kind of people you work with, the kind of people you associate with, the kind of people you relate with, are at the end of the day going to affect how wise you are. God bless you. Amen. Let's, let's, just, let's just pray that in. Uh, 
That's a very important word we just received this morning. And uh, let's just pray that in. We all need the wisdom of God. The Bible says uh, in Luke chapter 2, in verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and that he had favor with God and with man. Jesus, we know, was the son of God, came in the flesh, lived in the flesh by the power of the Spirit, and yet had to learn to grow and to increase in wisdom. 